ransomware, that one word can send a chill down the spine of any industry executive. And for good reason, because ransomware attacks in the manufacturing sector seem to be increasing. But why? The quick answer is they work and they're lucrative. What can manufacturers do to fight off an attack? Well, while no one thing will prevent a ransomware attack, there are some key tactics to help avoid your company losing control of your system and becoming a headline on the front page. The reality is any kind of message regarding ransomware needs to be delivered and it needs to be reinforced time and time again to make sure key elements sink in because there are ways to beat a ransomware attack. Hello, my name is Greg Hale, and welcome to another edition of the Today with ISS Source podcast series. Joining us today is Nasher Mond, Senior Director Commercial for Global Cybersecurity Solutions and Services at Schneider Electric. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Greg. Nice to be here. Well, so let's start off. I mean, the Colonial Pipeline uh, suffered their ransomware attack, well-known attack, way back in May, as did uh, JBS Foods. And while these types of attacks have been ongoing in the industry for quite some time, why are these attacks or these types of attacks gaining so much publicity now? Right. So great, yeah. These attacks are very well known, the colonial one, JBS Food, but there are even several more that just go unreported as well. The key impact because of that is that operational systems have now been more widely recognized as an attack target in respect to safety and production. Okay, It's become a recognized risk factor. There's more risk, there's more pain, and of course, for the attackers, there's always more money. The second thing that has an, has had an impact on this is it's become a low risk for the attackers. You know, ransomware and crypto payments are almost nearly impossible to trace, and there are multiple levels of separation between the developers and the users of the tool. It's literally become you know behind ransomware, it's not individual attacks anymore. It's like a supply chain that's behind it. There are developers of tools, there are users of tools. There's several different methods. You know, you could literally now days see ransomware as a service too. The third factor is a new, like I said, you know, it's a new age of threat. The ransomware tools are becoming more advanced. The developers are different from the users in, in a lot of cases. So even a non-technical user can easily deploy these tools. And the fourth and most important is on the side of the operational people, where there is a shortage of qualified employees. There's a scarcity of qualified resources with the level of cybersecurity expertise in operations, which means that the organizations can't keep up with the tools, the technologies, and the processes that are needed to combat our ransomware. It seemed attacks years ago often appeared to be reconnaissance missions. You know, people are coming in to get in, they learn what the specific systems were all about, and then get out and, you know, use that information later on. But now it seems like the attackers are just going after victims with a true purpose and a specific target. Are you seeing that also? Absolutely. Like I said earlier, you know, it's become an industry, you know, with, with a clear supply chain. There are people who build these tools. They then sell those tools out to people who can use it. So there, there's that first 
a level of monetary exchange. Then the users go out there, attack. And it's not necessarily that these are going after some specific organization. They're looking, you know, the user may be looking for general vulnerabilities, you know, unpatched systems, easy ways that are unnoticed and people can get it. So it's it's a combination of a lot of things that the attackers, it's, you know, it's become easier. They can go after things because of that, you know, the reasons that I spelled out earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, when it comes to ransomware, what are you finding are the main entry points for the bad guys? You know, are, is it like email compromise? Or is it attacks from other departments? Uh, you know, something that they're getting from the, the printer down the hall? I mean, where are you seeing, what, what are you hearing that are main entry points for the bad guys? So we see, you know, if we look at it, there are four key elements we see you know, as entry points that we are looking at right now. One is credential scraping. That's like identifying a user's login information, access the systems in really an authorized way. And that's why the controls we try to put them are important on the authorization access, the entry part of it, that you need to change your passwords, update it, keep it not very simple. So that's the first way that these attackers enter is by credential scraping. The second one are, of course, phishing messages, malicious emails that are disguised as if le- legitimate you know, messages. You've overpaid on your bill. This is from Amazon. Your shipment delayed, blah, blah, blah. Look like very, very clear. Get somebody into panic. Click that link. Phishing message, done. Third key way that they enter is through infected websites. Unknowingly, somebody visits a website with an infected code. Malware is downloaded and installed without the user's knowledge. And fourth, and this is what's gaining more and more traction. Now on the dark web forums, you can you actually have auction houses that buy and sell company credentials and information. So that industry by itself, you know, that that network, that dark forum is built up where this information is readily available. So these are the four key ways that we see ransomware getting into a company's systems. Mm-hmm. There have been plenty of attacks this year that are non-ransomware related, for instance, the attack on Oldsmar water system uh, that seemed to be malicious in nature where the attacker wanted to do harm. But in terms of ransomware, do you feel attackers are looking for anything else other than money? I mean, they're not looking to put up to really destroy a facility, are they? Or are they looking for multiple things when they're doing this kind of attack? So Greg, if we look at it now, if we take a snapshot of now, yes, the money is what the greatest incentive is. Money is what they are going after. But we should never forget that if somebody's managed to get into an OT infrastructure, especially if it's a critical infrastructure, there is always the potential of further malice. There's always a potential because that risk is already exploited. You're already part of it. Somebody's in the system. Now, if it's money, then it's suddenly a matter of, okay, how much are you willing to pay and move on? But the day that door is open, somebody can get into your system, especially into a critical OT infrastructure, there's always the potential of larger harm. Mm-hmm. So you were, you you are attacked and you're, you decide, well, you know what? I have to pay. But as as Colonial did and as JBS did, but then there's a level of trust you have to have in these people that have these criminals that have attacked you. Are you seeing? Well, I'm trying to get my arms around why people would trust these criminals that are attacking your system. 
But I mean, are you seeing that level of trust there that the victims will allow the bad guys that level of trust to give them the decryption key, you know, along with $4 million? Uh, They shouldn't. There's, There's no way you should be trusting a criminal. And especially in an OT environment, there's no guarantee that the decryption key that they would give you would work because it's it's not an IT system where you're going to go in and there and easily put in there. So they shouldn't be. I think the best way is to provide that protection, protect yourself from it. Some people, you know, the, the companies that have been attacked, maybe they didn't have the required protection in place. Maybe they were forced to pay it. But it's like paying ransom for a kidnapping. It's always it was always advised not to cede into the demands of the kidnappers, because that's just the beginning. You attack now, you paid it. So what? Will they not attack you again? Because now yeah. they know you're willing to pay. So uh, they should never be. You should never trust a criminal. Mm-hmm. On a whole, are you seeing? I'm sure you see it on both sides of the at both ends of the spectrum. But are you seeing companies more aware today and? And working on programs to fend off these types of attacks, or, or are they still thinking this will happen to somebody else, but it won't happen to us? It's a combination of both. There are still some companies that are still like, yeah, I'm not important enough to be a target. You know, I, I'm not, you know, what's, what's somebody going to get out of me? But that's really a false pretense right now. People need to be aware. Just look at it, you know, just one statistics. In 2018, an average ransom fee was $5,000. In 2021, an average fee was $200,000. The largest ransomware payout in 2021, $40 million. Yeah. All right. So companies are now realizing there was a time when companies kind of went in and said, okay, fine, but I'm insured against it. The cyber insurance is going to pick that, bad, uh, you know, the, uh, that tab up. But that's not happening. 42% of the companies are indicating that cyber insurance only covers small portion of ransomware. They don't cover everything. There's always limitation to those things. So yes, the companies, as these cases become more public, and like you said earlier, you know, do you really want to become a headline on the front page? I think more and more people are realizing that and doing something about it. So yes, we do see a shift in the market. We do see people becoming more aware. And especially in the OT, because now they know that OT is a backdoor into their system, that if they leave those things unprotected, that it would become an issue and they would get attacked. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not asking to name any names, but have you been a part of or like cleaning up or fixing up any kind of ransomware scenario? We do mostly, I mean, we try to get our customers to be in a preventive mode. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, if, if we do get, we know we, we are aware of what we need to do in during a ransomware attack. You know, how do we isolate the effective devices? How do we stop the spread? You know, how do we assess the damages? Locate where that patient zero is. You know, we help our, our customers report the incident to the authorities. We check and make sure we check their backups, you know, evaluate the you know, the decryption options, and then, of course, learn and move on. Mm-hmm. That leads me to my next question, and that's what can companies do to ward off these kinds of ransomware attacks? I mean, is, is there a list of best practices that you go by? And in theory, I would assume what was good 10 years ago isn't necessarily good five years ago, isn't necessarily good 
today. So, I mean, I guess my question is, you know, do you have a list of best practices to focus on? And then do you feel that these will change dynamically over the coming uh, months, years, that kind of thing? Yeah, Greg, it, it is a constantly evolving threat landscape. Things keep changing, but there are certain things that you can do to prevent yourself. I mean, of course, you, are, you need to have a very, very holistic plan on how you want to secure yourself. What is that cybersecurity plan? Some of the controls you need to put in there, what, what kind of identifying controls you put there, what kind of permit controls, what kind of protect controls, what kind of detection mechanism you have in place, and how do you respond when you do get attacked? So you need to have some level of controls in each one of those elements. Plus, you need to understand where what your cyber posture is. What are the controls you have in place? You need to conduct regularly your assessments to look at your network. And that plays in into the point you made that this threat landscape is constantly changing. It's not what it used to be 10 years ago. It's not what it used to be five years ago. It's not even what it used to be two years ago. It's constantly changing. So you need to assess, one, have controls in place, and two, assess. Make sure that you're looking at your network constantly. And if you need to improve it, you have that continuous improvement in place. All right. So that's that holistic plan. Mm -hmm. The second element that you need to do is you need to segment your OT network. What that means is you need to split it up, break it up into different zones, isolate it from the enterprise level, put a demilitarized zone. All of these strategies you use to segment your network. And you need to do that because when you do get attacked, as the threat landscape is changing so fast, the methods to stop them, those tools, are lagging behind. So you need to have a system in place that when you do get attacked, you are able to isolate it because you've segmented your network into zones. You need to have that segmentation important part of your cybersecurity control. The second element is you need to back up your data and you need to secure those backups. They can't be sitting on the same network that is compromised. So that when you do get attacked, you at least have one place where your latest backup is stored, which helps you with your business continuity and helps you restart. So whatever data that they have encrypted on network, there's a backup securely available with you. Once you have this cyber plan in place, you need to practice it like a fire drill. You have to regularly run through your cyber response plan. You need to make sure the people are trained. This training, training, training. You know, literally focus on this and say, what are we going to do when this happens? How are we going to isolate the steps that I talked about earlier? You know, how, what, what do you do when you do have that ransomware attack? And then how do you start up again using your backups? Because you have secured them. So these are the best practices that you need to have in place if you want to have an environment that protects you to a larger extent, we're against ransomware. Now, in terms of that practice, 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 do you actually see, you know, do you actually see that happening? Because I can imagine, you know, people get so caught up in their day-to-day -day work, you know, that it, it's tough to break away and do something like that. I mean, are you actually seeing people stopping and, and practicing this kind of thing? And, and how often should they practice? Again, it depends on, you know, are you practicing it on a full, uh, you know, full floor or the full office, or are you doing it in a different place at a simple time? It was the same thing with fire drills, right? 
the beginning, it's the same concept. You're working, you're so busy in your workday, but when that alarm drills and you have a fire drill, you get up, you walk out, you go to the, the meeting point, you go through a briefing and you come back. Mm-hmm. Some of the companies that have put in a very mature cybersecurity plan, their maturity level is very high. Their posture, cybersecurity posture is very mature. They do go through this. And that's one of the best practices. And they can do it combined for IT as well as for OT. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing more and more, like what was happening a year or two years ago, there's a lot more of this happening now than it was two years ago. That's pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I just, the whole idea of coming up with a plan and more of a holistic plan where everybody understands and is on the same page just seems to be the way to go. And I just don't, are you seeing more and more people doing that as well? Or is that kind of, something that you have to go in and introduce that various organizations? We do have to go introduce in places where the cybersecurity posture is not mature enough. But as, like I said, you know, as we move more and more towards and we see more of these attacks, we are seeing that shift, that move from being complacent about it to being active about it and really putting a plan in place and following up on that. So we see it a lot more in companies now than we did, like I said, two years ago. So it is moving towards that, that maturity is coming. And I think in a point in time, you know, because there are some projections that the ransomware market is going to explode, you know, it's going to be in the next five years across $26 billion. So people have to be careful about that. And I think it's going to become a part of their daily job. Make sure that they have a plan, that it's followed up and that they're doing something about it. It's not going to be a luxury anymore. Wow. All right, Nasir. Well, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time. And right now, I think that's all the time we have for today. So for Nasir Mun, this is Greg Hale saying so long for now and stay safe.